Coming up this week, off screen. We say the magic word. Visit a new pet cemetery. Play with the keeper. Get happy with Lazaro. Read a nervous translation. And hit the trail with the Sisters Brothers. All those to come and more, off screen. This is. This is off screen. Off screen. Latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the Movie Marker radio show and podcast. Welcome to Offscreen, I'm Van Connor. And I am Case Allen. So, Mr. Allen, welcome back. Another week of filmic frolic and cinematic fun. Uh, Well, news, reviews, all the usual cinematic fun to come. We need to start with some news, though. So, what should we talk about this week? What's big this week? Brad Dourif is not going to be voicing Chucky in the Child's Play remake. That's sacrilege. But Mark Hamill is. That's awesome. Yeah, so that's how you, like, annoy people and tell people everything's going to be fine. You know... Like, in one breath. You know, non, you know non-nerds, what I would describe as regular people? Although, you know, we're all quite nerdy now, generally, yeah. as a culture. Well, most people don't seemingly know that Mark Hamill voiced the Joker, right? They do think that Mark Hamill was just Luke was, Skywalker. Yeah, he, he's done nothing else, yeah. Yeah, like, he, he did nothing else after Star Wars, that was it. And now he's back in Star Wars. There's a lot of people in the world, I, I would guess, that don't know that he's been a voiceover artist for decades. Yeah. Um, for like how many years has he done? Joke? Is it 27 or something? Some Daft? 91, oh. 92, I think, Batman the Animated Series. And he's he's always been the Joker from that point, hasn't he? Yeah. Forget. And also the trickster in The Flash. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, good let's, not, let's not forget. <laughs> I think that's pretty great casting. It is I'm, good sure, I'm sure you could have got Brad Dorf again, but then again, this version's got nothing to do with Don Mancini. Who, it hasn't. And who's if, the creator, and yeah, so... Well, he's carrying it on, isn't he? Don Mancini's carrying the Child's Play series in the timeline that's still ongoing, the one that was in... Yeah. Was it Cult of Chucky, the most recent one? I think so. I think so. Yeah. The one in the mental hospital, where they bring back Andy Barkley and yeah. Brad Dourif's daughter, and... And was actually pretty good. It wasn't bad, was it? Yeah, um, they are going to be doing a TV miniseries, that, I think. That's the, that, so the TV series is following on that continuity. That. And, and this is its own, its own thing. In which Chucky is, I believe, now Buddy. Buddy. Buddy voiced by Mark Hamill, and he's not a supernaturally possessed doll with the soul It's some of kind killer. of, like, AI robot. Yeah. Yeah, but in, in the trailer, you see Chucky. You see the word Chucky. Mm. So... Yeah. Maybe I think we'll just have to wait and see. Maybe Buddy is just instead of good guys. Is that the thing? Possibly. I don't. I don't know. Because Chucky's a good guy doll, isn't he? Yes, yeah. that's, that's the brand. That's maybe the brand, maybe yeah. it's a Buddy brand, and he is still Chucky. And he's still Chucky. Yeah, that would that would make sense. That would I, make I think sense. I think the lead kid character does say Chucky in the trailer. Well, maybe that's it then. We're not giving away too much, but um, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll watch it. Of course, I'll watch it. To be honest, I wasn't really interested in this until they chucked until uh, Aubrey Plaza and like Brian Tyree. Brian Tyree Henry, Henry. Yeah. yeah. And then I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, now I'll watch it. <laughs> but now Mark Hamill's the voice, so I'm. No, I'm definitely in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, I mean, it can't suck that hard if it's got Mark Hamill in. Uh, <laughs> true. It wasn't true. in prequels. So, it wasn't uh, in the Star Wars prequels, that is yeah. true. That is true, yeah. we've got to give him that. <laughs> so, uh, we, we've got to plug the podcast edition of this show. Uh, so, a little extra fun after the end credits, more reviews, more news, all the stuff we can't fit into the radio yeah. edit. Loads of news, actually. Um, yeah, I didn't think there was a lot of news, and then I went deep diving, and I, f- 
I've got like a bucket full of news. <laughs> You've got a news bucket. I've got a news that bucket. That's, that's what I use. A nucket? A nucket, if you will. A nucket? <laughs> yeah. Nucket sounds dirty when I feel like we've weaponed it today. It does. It does sound a bit filthy, doesn't it? Yeah. But uh, no, so we'll do all that after the end credits, all the bonus stuff. Uh, so you can get that podcast edition from uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anyone with podcasts in the name generally. Uh, tune in, Acast, Spotify, any podcast repository. Pop along off screen and get your full fill. So, uh, we should look at a movie then to start this week. That is generally what we do. That, and what that, is that uh, film? I think we should start with uh, oof, not one, but two Sisters Brothers. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, this has been, is it me or does this feel like it's been around for about a year now? A long time. A long time. So, the Sisters Brothers, which I thought was a Netflix film. But I, don't I thought it was an Amazon film. That's yeah, weird. Has that yeah. weird feeling, doesn't it? Like it's a streaming film. Uh, this is, uh, incidentally, one thing I love about the, uh, the, the Sisters Brothers is on IMDb, it's got original title, Le Frere Sisters, <laughs> which I just love. <laughs> it's like finding out the translation of Das Boot is Das Boot. But uh, anyway, so this stars John C. Riley and Joaquin Phoenix as Eli and Charlie Sisters. The sisters, wait for it, brothers. Nice. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Joaquin Charlie, he's kind of the hot-headed drunk one. Mm. And Eli is the older, more... Uh, he's kind of the muscle, but he's also the voice of reason sort of figure. They are effectively bounty hunters working for the Commodore. This is all set in the Old West. I think it's meant to be like 1860s there. Who, who, who is the Commodore? I can't tell you. Right. I can't tell you. I won't. You can spoil it very, yeah. very easily on IMDb. I, but, I know uh, a couple of people that are in the cast, but I don't know who plays uh, who. Don't so. look at the names above the poster because it's in there, I think. And uh, no, don't. But So they work for the Commodore. They are sent to track down a man uh, played by Riz Ahmed, who has uh, gone off on the run having stolen something from the Commodore. As Eli points out at one point, why do people keep stealing from the Commodore? It's so weird that all these people steal from the Commodore. All we do is chase down people who steal from this guy. It's so weird. So you Hmm. sort of get the idea of the tone that they start going for. They've also got a private detective who is actually closer on the trail to Riz Ahmed, who's actually accompanying him on his journey, played by Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes, who that's strikes, where, I was, where I was in it. Yeah, yeah. He strikes up a sort of a relationship with him. So you, on the one hand, you've got the Sisters Brothers, played by John C. Riley and, and McKean Phoenix, who are doing the cross-country pursuit. And then up close and personal, you've got Jake Gyllenhaal or Gyllenhaal or Potato Potato, uh, and Riz Ahmed having this sort of bonding session. And it all ties into the gold rush of the era. Uh, we've got a clip. What's wrong with you know what happened last night? Yes. And? You remember that you hit me? I hit you? I hit you? Stop pretending and spare me the I don't remember routine. You hit me in public, Charlie. So as sure as you're looking at me right now, I'm leaving. No. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> All right. What do you want? It's about slapping each other in public. So I slap you, you slap me back, Raven. So then, hit me, hit me. So there's obviously there's a lot of the relationship explored between, for instance, the brothers there, as you can hear in the in, in the clip, and 
I, I kind of like the chemistry that they do share. I think John mm. C. Riley's brilliant in this. I think uh, Joaquin Phoenix is a little bit shortchanged. I think of everyone in the movie, Joaquin Phoenix is the most shortchanged. Uh, Riz Ahmed, a little bit. I would argue they don't really get to explore him as a person or his motivations beyond so much what he is doing. He's just there. He's kind of he is there doing stuff, <clears throat> but it's a good performance to be mm. fair. Uh, Gillen Hall, John Hall. Let's call the whole thing off. Great, you know, as pretty standard rock solid performance from him. Uh, but John C. Riley, you know, again MVP. I mean, he's having a hell of a time lately. I mean, yeah. like Stan and Ollie, he, he, and he tends to be in most films he's in. He's becoming the um, the standout player, yeah. isn't he now? Even in Guardians, <laughs> just having a minute for like six minutes. Yeah, let's try yeah. not to think too much about how he's clearly dead now. But yeah, yeah, like his family were dead in that second movie. Oh, I would love it at the end of the end of Endgame. You just see him. <laughs> it just, just like up. before you were dead. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So this um, this is directed by Jacques Auriard, and I'm trying to remember which film it was. Oh, he directed Rust and Bone. If you remember a couple really? of years ago, oh, yeah, I really like that film. The one with, with the, was it? Matt, Matty Shoes and Marion Cotillard. That's the one. Good movie, right? Yeah. So the, the one with the whales. The one with the whales. And, and a prophet. And a prophet. Yeah. I, I like that film. I have that on DVD right behind. There me. you go. Yeah. So Jacques wow. Audiard. We, we we obviously we know his work. Uh, I didn't realize I knew his work so well. But turns out you do. Wow. Um, this is directorially, I would say, up to that standard. It looks the part. It's got great visuals. Musically, it captures the spirit really well the performances are there the performances are rock solid if there's anything to to really put it down it's really that you've you've seen this done before and i think for me I, there were shades of true grit you know the, the coen brothers yeah. remake of true grit there's a little bit of that in there um it works for me nonetheless because the character writing and the performances are so good mm. that you know that's not really an issue for me but it's just not anything that's going to reinvent the wheel mm. it's a good time you know, it, it's maybe a little bit overlong, and it does absolutely squander a cameo. And I am talking about the Commodore, but yeah, I have no idea who was. Okay, Commodore don't is. look it up. Uh, you'll love I it. Won't. I mean, it's a wordless cameo. Oh, it's a wordless. It's a waste of a cameo. It's a wordless cameo. But to be fair to them, they do follow it up with a brilliant cameo, like a, an equally as brilliant cameo. Mm. So, so there is that going for it. Um, I thought it was. I thought it was pretty good. I don't think it's an amazing movie, but I think it's very, very good. I would argue that it's maybe a little laboured at times, and maybe you could punch this up a little bit. Doesn't need an action beat or anything. I can imagine the chemistry between those two being really good. Yeah, the chemistry across the board is good. And it's more interesting when the two parties as well uh, overlap, when they come together and you start to get to see different interplay. I don't think I can think uh, of a film where they've been in together before. Oh, I can think of one that leaps out. Is this something really obvious I'm just forgetting? So, Jake Gyllenhaal, Riz Ahmed, Nightcrawler. Oh, no, I can think of those oh, okay. Yeah, I can think of that. Oh, um, uh, <clears throat> which is film a little Joaquin bit. Phoenix and, and, and John C. Riley. Riley. No, no, I don't think they have. There's going to be something really That's obvious, weird. isn't there? There's yeah. going to be. <laughs> because they've both worked with PTA yeah. so much. They've huh. not crossed paths in a PTA film, and I'm just blanking it, am I? I don't know. Not that I can think of. Wow. I don't know. But anyway, so The Sisters Brothers, or Le Frere Sisters by Jack Audiard, um, out this weekend. Absolutely check that out. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the Movie Marker radio show and podcast. And we're back, Mr. Allen. So, um, do you like a good Stephen King movie? I like a good one. 
I really like a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's so many to choose from with Stephen King movies. I love Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> I like Thinner. I love Thinner. Thinner is so Thinner's good. Thinner's on Netflix, um, oh. as is Sleepwalkers. Oh, man. Which Sleepwalkers. is, that's the one with the cat people. Oh, you know what? I've, I've not I've not revisited in a long, long time. Sometimes they come back. I've never seen them. I think that's, is that Timothy Hutton? Am I thinking I, of Timothy I don't Hutton? know. Timothy Hutton from... What's the, what's the one everyone lost their minds over recently on Netflix? Oh. The the, the house. Haunting of the house. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ha- Haunting of yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hill House, yeah. Um, what else is a bad one? Uh, Dreamcatcher, which is on Amazon Prime. Oh, Dreamcatcher which is terrible. Saw. Yeah, but uh, okay. So Pat Cemetery sits about middle of the spectrum. <laughs> well, this this one, this I, new one, because I I really like the is, the nineteen eighties or was it nineteen ninety nineteen ninety nineteen ninety? Isn't it? Like, it's nineteen eighty nine. It's nineteen eighty nine. It's eighty nine. It might I think, be. I think, I think it's eighty nine. So yeah. you're because we had your birthday recently. We themed it around around eighteen eighty nine. Yeah, um, and it, we listened to Pat Cemetery by Ivy Ramones. And I had the trailer on that playlist at your birthday party. So, so I'm a so bad friend. So nineteen eighty nine. So uh, Pet Cemetery 2019 sits in the middle of the quality spectrum, I would say. So um, this is yet another interpretation of the of the Stephen King story, which I think is from 1983, uh, the novel, right. uh, which he regards as his scariest work. It's the story of a doctor, uh, uh, Lewis, played here by Jason Clark, who moves with his family, his wife and their two children, Ellie and Gage. Right. Yeah. This is this is a thing because I'm going to use those names a bit. So Ellie Gage, they move from Boston to like big city Boston, where he's working nights all the time in the ER, and they move to small town Maine. It's basically the setup from Arachnophobia, if we're honest. And that's going to get remade really soon as <laughs> that well. That is clearly getting remade yeah. well, with CGI J- spiders. J- James Wan said he's producing it. Yeah. Brilliant, love it. I'm in. Um, so they move into this this home, which comes with 50 acres of woods, as homes do. Um, in these woods, they discover a pet cemetery where the local townsfolk uh, yeah 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 clever title yeah uh, where the townsfolk all come and bury their pets and obviously the sign is misspelled s s for cemetery yeah. and the iconic <laughs> title for this um when the family's cat dies the father and uh, the, his recently befriended neighbor who's played here by uh, john lithgow oh taking over for fred gwynn yeah. from the 1989 version um, <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> are you coming with me i can't do that voice anyway um so uh, they go and they bury the cat in what's what's revealed to be a uh, a, a secret Micmac Indian burial ground behind the pet cemetery, mm. in which if you bury something, it returns, but not quite right. Mm. So the cat comes back. It's noticeably more aggressive. It presents something of a threat to the family. It's more hostile. It smells bad. It's starting to rot. It's, oh yeah, undead. Imagine that. So, with this in mind, what do you think might happen when the young daughter of the family is unfortunately killed in a tragic accident? Uh, the same thing. Mm. Can I just say, you you bring that up. Yeah. That is a bit of a twist and a spoiler, but I'm not blaming you, because they put that in the ruddy trailer. They do. Yeah. Also, interestingly enough, it, this is the first version in which it is the daughter, and not uh, in which it is Ellie that dies, and not and not, Gage. And not Gage. Yeah. Because yeah. it's pretty iconic... For it being Gage in the the 89 version. So we've got a clip of uh, Ellie's mother being presented with her newly returned daughter. Lewis, what's going on? I wasn't ready to say goodbye to her. She's scaring me. Just tell me what you're talking about. It's my fault she died. I had to bring her back. There's a place rage deep in the woods. 
beyond the pet cemetery. It brings things back. Are you happy, mommy? <laughs> To be honest, it's about as nuts and bolts as it can get. Um, the stuff that they've altered, like for instance, it being the other child who's, who dies in this version, was obviously yeah. in the book and in the, the original movie, it was Gage and now it's Ellie. The reason they seem to have changed that is to try and play up the 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 father daughter relationship. Mm. The only problem is it, there's a lot of there's a lot of elements that have clearly been locked out of the film. There are things in there, like for instance, an eleventh hour attempt to mine something from the mother daughter relationship right. that required <laughs> at least a scene to establish and flesh that out earlier on. There's no such scene. There are other things, like for instance, the uh, the, the 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 gauge having certain abilities element of the story, which has never been plot relevant. It's it's one of those weird Stephen King things that, you know, Stephen King always did that with his, mm. especially his earlier book, where the youngest son always had this one weird quirk that yep. was, for no reason other than, meh, Stephen King book. You know? Well, shining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's been, well, I mean, that's then become the ground for the actual sequel, isn't it? Haven't we got that this yes, year? Yeah. Oh, Doctor, yeah, Doctor that is this year, isn't this it? This year yeah. with the Ewan McGregor, McGregor yeah. yeah. So. I'm quite looking forward to that, because that... Mm. Is, isn't it the guy that did Horton Hill House? Uh, Mike <laughs> Flanagan, yeah. Yeah. Did Oculus. I'm, I'm going to... Yeah. And... Uh, Gerald's Game. And we just sequel. The we just sequel prequel. That thing. was actually really good. That was good, yeah, unlike the first one. We're going to try and mention him every block. I think I so. I think, yeah. Uh, so, funny you mention The Shining as well, because th- this film, like all you know, good Stephen King adaptations, <laughs> has to open with that shot from The Shining... You know that one? Well, the, like the overhead. The over, yeah, yeah, exactly, the overhead shot. So you, you begins with that. It's got the feel. It's got the atmosphere. It's got the tone. I mean, okay, we're in good Stephen King hands here. Now, it's capably directed. It's quite badly lit, I will say that. I mean, I've watched, I've watched the trailer in HD since, just to check this. And I know that there is a certain element of poor projection in the Cineworld screen that I saw it in. To, to, that plays a part in this, but it oh, is quite burn on the Cineworld screen. I don't. It's like the, oh. like the. It's like it was. It was duller and darker than it needed to be. So, and yeah. a lot of this takes place at night in minimal lighting. So you know what I mean. Sort out, yeah. Yeah, we should have a Stephen King only screen. <laughs> <laughs> in that that particular Just Cineworld. save it for Conjuring movies and Stephen King adaptations. Yeah. <laughs> now. This, like I say about the the ability uh, the ability thing with Gage, leaving that in. It basically determines that they have made no real attempt to adapt the source material rather than... And this was the case with It as well. They've adapted the last movie rather than adapt the original book. You know what I mean? With It, where every set piece had certain physical, identical physical characteristics with the 1990 version. You're thinking, what are you adapting here? Especially with It when it comes to the um, drain. Yeah, things yeah. like the yeah the drain in particular, uh, the bathroom scene with Beverly, for instance. Oh yeah, which are almost yeah. shot for shot identical. To, and you just think, why, why this this shouldn't be for those fans. This but also, be... try and think of another way to do it. Exactly, that's the fun yeah. of doing the adaptation. This does it more or less exactly the same thing. Without going into spoilers, I will tell you it's really only the last ten minutes of this film where they have made significant changes outside of just which child right. it is. Yeah, but there's ten minutes where certain things happen differently. Largely to do with the ending, but... 
Yeah, there's now three different endings to this story if we go through the different versions. Um, Jason Clark is Jason Clark. There's not a whole heap of charisma going on there, but he's does, he does I intense, like does intense like he and focused does, well, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he does about that character well. Yeah. You either get him or you get Patrick Wilson. Well, that's the thing, because Patrick Wilson, I think, has some charisma. I think he's got some charm. No one's ever going to describe Jason Clark, I think, as charming. You wouldn't, you wouldn't look at him and say, that's a charming man right there. Uh, Patrick Wilson gives me a Jason, smile. Jason, like Jason Clark's wife. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, the rest of the cast are pretty solid. Uh, John Lithgow, standout of this one. but uh, and yeah. Of course he's the standout. He's John Lithgow. He's John Lithgow, yeah. I'm yeah. listening to him on uh, Mark Maron's podcast right now. Oh, excellent. He's really good. Uh, it's not as good as it. Uh, I mean, but it'll get arguably, lot, it'll get a lot of the same fans. It'll get a lot of the same fans. Arguably, Thinner is academically a better film, but yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, it's been built to the standard of the 2016, 2017 it. So you know, it's been built to that standard. The material really isn't there to begin with. If you're not mm. going to mine for it, and this makes no attempt to, to be honest. Okay. So, bit of, I, I found it a bit of an epic fail. And I'm not overly attached to the original, to be honest. I came out of this thinking, you know what, you've 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 gone back to the well. This is the story that invented a lot of these tropes. And rather than try and do something with that, what you have basically done is give me the Wikipedia version in the packaging. Well, it sounds it. like they have tried some things new. We're just not. We are, we, we are talking about very very minor things at the end. I'm I'm going to have to see it to really. I'd be interested. I'd be interested to see what you make of it because I mm. I obviously love the '89. I think it was yeah. one of the first Stephen King films I saw when I was a kid. Yeah. So that's why I've got such an attachment to it. Tommy Knockers for me. Tommy Knockers. Tommy Knockers, my first Stephen yeah. King. <laughs> um, that and also I love the Ramones. So in fact, there's a Ramones song on the soundtrack. I love that as well. Well, well there isn't now. That Sadly. upsets me. Yeah. Well, in fact, no, that does upset me because it's probably going to be like Lord covering it. <laughs> probably, yeah. Billy Eilish. So, uh, should we just move on to the next review really quickly? Let's do we, it, we, yeah. we, I, we overran on that one. I'm sorry, I'm a terrible person. So, History's uh, Greatest Monster. I'm History's Greatest Monster. So let's talk about Nervous Translation really quickly. A new film from Shireen Senow. This is about uh, an eight-year-old girl. Uh, this, I, think it's, I think it's a Filipino-made film that's set in Japan. Set in 80s Japan, okay. I believe that's how it works. So, eight-year-old uh, Yael, she is a young, shy, only child. Uh, she kind of lives in her own internal fantasy world, and uh, her father works away. She lives in a flat with her mother, who you know is either out at work, leaving the kid on her own all day, or mm-hmm. just asleep on the couch in front of her. The father who's working away communicates with them with the mother by um, mailing through, through old-fashioned post with stamps and everything a cassette. I tape. can't remember that. A cassette tape. A, a cassette tape. Not even a disc, mate. A cassette tape. <laughs> <laughs> and he sends his messages via tape recorder. And the young girl, you know, Yael, she listens to these recordings whilst basically living in her own world and making these like little miniature still wow. life uh, sculptures and things like that and little miniature kitchens on which yeah. she can actually cook with a tea candle and things that's like that. That's adorable. Um, and that's it. And she lives in her own internalised world. We reviewed a film recently called The Trip to the Moon which I described yes, as basically is. like a Rugrats episode. Yeah. This has that same kind of thing but this is played as a really artsy drama. Obviously we've got no clip for this because it's all in uh, foreign dialect but uh, it has that Rugrats feel to it but as high art... This is, you know, this is Rugrats by way of like, Derek Jarman. <laughs> like, like most episodes of Rugrats. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like the Tommy Goes Naked episode, which is clearly my That's favorite. That's live action where it was played by uh, uh, Wallace Shawn. Really? Yeah. I, didn't, I don't think I've ever seen that episode. I need to I, that I'm completely naked about that. Oh. <laughs> well, that, see, but you want to see that. I want you to want see to, that, yeah. You want to see Wallace Shawn dressed like a 
70-year-old adult baby. <laughs> Rugrats is coming back, so, you know. Who was as live-action? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm, 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 I'm sure I heard live-action animated hybrid at one point for Rugrats, but... I want to see the live-action version of Rugrats where, like, they're all in an all-person's home. <laughs> Wallace Shawn is, is Tommy. Angelica is played by Christine Baranski. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's... That's great. That was, that, actually, for an off-the-cuff bit of casting, that one's good. That's real good. I don't. Who, who would you get for Chucky? For Chucky, oh, uh, and Bill Hader, but you know, <laughs> no, he's got to be older. It's got to be gotta, older. Yeah, I don't know. Some Ed of... Begley Jr. That's not bad. That's not that's terrible. Not yeah, that's all but, right. Uh, anyway, so uh, Nervous Translation, really, really well-directed film. Amazing, just a gorgeous film to look at. Mm. Um, I would argue it, it goes a bit too conceptual at times, like it. But mm. having said that. The caveat of that is it really perfectly, I think, captures what you can remember of the experience of being a little girl. Of, mm. Not being a little girl. Of being just of being a small <laughs> I, child. I remember it well. I remember being a little girl. <laughs> yeah. But no, when you, I had pigtails. That, that in-your-own-world feeling of being a small child. Yeah. That, you know, not knowing what the adults are talking about, and it all sounds like it's like Peanuts Gang gibberish, you know? Yeah. You know, that kind of, it, it perfectly captures how it feels to live in that moment, and I thought it was great. To be fair, but I still want to hear when, like, we have a conversation about, like, mortgages or... <laughs> <laughs> like, Welcome to your 30s, pal. Um, and, and also, standout performance from, and I've said this earlier, Yang, uh, Yana Agoncila. Agoncilo, sorry. Nailed Who, it. Almost. Well done. Um, as Yael, she is absolutely brilliant. She's like an eight-year-old kid. She's absolutely superb in it. So, nervous translation. If you're looking for a, a, a nice, tidy... 90 minute bit out there live action Japanese Rugrats episode uh, which I often am but yeah I mean when the mood takes you go and check that out with the latest film news and reviews this is Offscreen the Movie Marker radio show and podcast And we're back, Mr. Allen. So, uh, another review then before we do some news. Uh, we're going to talk about The Keeper. Uh, Brace yourself for this. This is uh, the story of a German POW, Troutman, Bernd Troutman. And uh, he is kept in a prisoner of war camp in Lancashire. This is obviously in the... Bernd Troutman. Bernd... Uh, they, they say it as Bert. But it's oh, right. Bernd... Uh, right. You know, Bern DT. Right. Yeah, you know okay. what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Burnt Trump. Okay, he's played by David Cross. Not the David Cross. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Not Tobias Funke. <laughs> Not Tobias Funke, no. Played by David Cross with a K. Who looks like that? He looks a bit like Prince William. A little bit, yeah. yeah a little yeah. bit like young looks Prince William. Like the opposite of David Cross. If you were going to cast uh, Prince William in a, in a biopic, yeah. uh, I would get uh, David Cross. Watch that have actually happened now on like Lifetime or something. Oh, I'd love that, yeah. So he is a German POW, kept in a camp in Lancashire. Um, he is basically drafted onto the local football team. Because it turns out some of these German soldiers are really bloody good football players. So it turns out he's an amazing football player. And he leads the local football team to absolute success. So much so that he gets an invite to go and try out for Man City. I remind you, this is a German POW. They basically marry him off at one point to keep him in the UK. He becomes the first foreign player in the Brit- in British football. Yeah. Which... 
by today's standards, is just <laughs> mind-boggling that that was never That's a crackers, thing. Yeah. You know, like nowadays, when there are about three British players on the average Premier League football team? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny now. Most of them are French and Italian and German and, you know, and Spanish and Argentinian. We've got them all now. But this was the first foreign, the story of the first ever foreign player. And it is basically his biopic. We've got a clip. Who's the bloody goalkeeper? You think you just play some football and everything's forgiven? Forgotten that you robbed us of our youth. Instead of going out dancing, we had to spend our evenings in a bomb shelter. I'd rather have danced with you than stood on the battlefield. What is it with boys and football? Football is like a wonderful dance. It's bloody barbaric. Not if you look closely. Do you have a girlfriend? No. No girl at home. So it's it's got that like biopic piano music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. You get in every biopic. To be honest, it's one of those cheap and cheerful sort of wartime uh, you know dramas that feels like do you remember that one uh you know some another mother's son or whatever it was that starred ronan keating about a year ago and then also last year because yeah, i remember had... we had a big conversation as to like who cast ronan keating in the film. <laughs> yeah exactly um and also uh tommy's honor if you remember that one that was the, the jack- golf one the golf one yeah so peter mullen? It, it was peter mullen peter uh... mullen was the dad and jack loudon was the son i believe now in yeah. this one you've got a weird little eclectic cast of this. Do you remember when First Man came out? And there was mm. and there was this notion that basically they had just cast any actor about 40 years old who had a 1960s face. So, yeah. Co- so Corey Stoll. So Corey Stoll <laughs> yeah. and Ron Livingston and people... And, and Kyle Chandler. <laughs> yeah, Kyle Chandler and just people like that. Yeah, sorry, it was Kyle Chandler. Why did I say Ron Livingston? That's Why another, did you, yeah. They're interchangeable for me, let's be honest. They, they kind of look like the same dude. Have you seen Ron Livingston uh, uh, Piano Cat? video yes years ago. i have yeah. yeah that's one of my favorite videos on the internet ever well in the same way that that did that first man did that uh with the you know 1960s this does the same kind of thing with oh are you a 60 year old man with a 1940 60 year old british man with a 1940s face step on up son <laughs> so you just get all these actors who you don't know the name of but you know them by you face know them by face yeah so it's yeah. kind of there are there's a lot of that guy from that thing so john henshaw uh henry melling dave johns turns up in this uh daniel Black Blake, Blake, yeah. For what seems to be about five minutes. I always forget his actual name, but I will never just not call him Daniel, Daniel Blake. Blake. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and of course, uh, Michael Socher has to turn up in this because it's a British film involving yeah. like young men. So Michael Socher has to be there, well, of course, yeah. To pr- because it's northern and regional, you see. Who's more northern and regional than Michael Socher? Dem de Bulls. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, Sean Bean is the Sean Bean, Sean that, of course. Like obviously, <laughs> I swear to God, there's a line in Troy where he says, "Oh, Achilles." But uh, <laughs> there is, isn't there? I'm not making that up. It's got, that is a thing. Like any shield's got a little pouch for some like hendos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. this isn't this isn't terrible. It's perfectly watchable, but it is drippy as hell. I mean, this is this is this is just a leaking faucet of drippiness. It is leaking faucet. Yeah, it is just you know it, it's exactly the Hallmark Channel film you think it is. Like when you said about the, uh, the biopic piano music. Yeah, yeah, pretty much exactly that film. You know exactly how they said. I mean, it gets to about half an hour before the end, and you're like, well, the story's over. Like we know the story now. He's, he's done. Yeah. And you're like, what are you gonna throw at us? Oh, okay. So oh, I forgot that little thing happened. And, and oh yeah, that that pesky little thing as well. Okay, and then there's this really contrived moment involving a chess piece, and it, it's just a really wishy-washy time. Just really. <clears throat> but having said that, the story 
is it's it's a, it's a you know it's a quite a, a, a touching story in a sense. It's just done quite badly. But the story of Troutman, you know, becoming the first player and winning over the British people who here are depicted as being you know quite xenophobic immediately post-war, which mm. you'd imagine actually was the thing. You know, that story is not without a certain level of timeliness, let's say, at the moment. So there's that going for it. Yeah. Yeah, it's got that. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Father's Day's coming up. I'm sure they'll rush this out to DVD. He, he might like <laughs> it. He probably will. Yeah. yeah, it's a Father's Day movie. Father's Day's, what, two months away? I don't know. As a dad, I should know. <laughs> you should know as a dad. Wow. But let's be honest, as a son, neither of us Good would point. know why father, where father's <laughs> And I, I pretty much had this conversation with my wife on Mother's Day. <laughs> and she was like, oh, we can do something nice for Father's Day. And I was like, um, I don't know what that is. Uh, I think June? Don't, don't. I gave my mum a Mother's Day card a week early because I was visiting. Yeah. And, uh, and then I was told on Mother's Day, it's like, have you called your mum? No. Why? And so, it's again, Mother's I, Day. Again, I have, Mother's same, Day, I have yeah. the same conversation. Like, well, I know it's Mother's Day. I left her a card. She's like, yeah, but you still got to call her. Why? She has a card. Yeah. And it's not It's not that I didn't want to. It's just I was busy. Mm. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, so I don't get greetings cards anyway. They're just written confirmation of an intended uh, good Let's word. stop talking about films. Let's just talk about, like... Life? Let's talk about life. The universe. Let's talk about cards. Different, different podcasts. So, yeah. some film news. <laughs> what have we got? Are you looking at sneakers? Yeah, I was. <laughs> Yeah, I was, I'll be honest. That's I, was, I was looking at film news as well, but then mm. I also, my, my eye happened upon some really nice vans. That I wanted. Fair enough, it's a quick piece of film news, where you go from me? Uh, so, The Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad, yeah. not a Suicide Squad. Not and Suicide Squad. <laughs> not and. and <laughs> not plus Suicide yeah. Squad. Anyway, here's The Suicide Squad. Yep. Um, Jack Courtney's going to be Captain Boomerang again. Yeah, this I like this. Yeah. Really? I mean, the- was, it's it's the best thing Jack Courtney's ever done, apart from <laughs> when he he's he's on that he's on the latest Wet Hot American Summer. Is he? Yeah, and he's really? he's really funny in that. Actually, I didn't mind Jai Courtney in. I think it was the first Divergent movie where he's actually like a villain. Oh yeah, and he, I thought it was actually that worked for him. I think, if memory serves, it's been a yeah. long time. It's, it's been a while. But yeah, I'm sure he'll be cast in the Netflix series adaptation of Man on a Ledge sometime soon. I'm I'm sure that'll happen. <laughs> You got because him and Sam Weaver did yeah, not. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. got it. But the other thing I noted about the Suicide Squad this week, did you see there was set photos that revealed the Joker, isn't it? No. Yeah, there's like a breakup sequence in which Harley basically like storms out on the Joker. There's like a breakup sequence in this movie that they've they've, they've been like yeah, you know, there's photos of them filming it. She was going to be a different Joker again. But I'm not sure because you can't see his face. Oh, so it's but just going to be like... It, lo- it could just be a body double for Jared Leto's Joker kind of thing. That would make sense. But, yeah. And, yeah, he is uh, in Manchester right now filming Morbius. Oh, Jack Courtney? Oh, Jared yeah. Leto. J- Jared Leto, yeah. <laughs> That's like, it's Jack Courtney. Jack Courtney's got another job. <laughs> Manchester. Yeah, they, they closed down um, whatever quarter it is. Jewelry quarter, isn't Man. it? Yeah, I get that Northern Quarter and all the other quarters are confused. I, um, I, I don't know my quarters, to be honest. You don't know your quarters yeah. from your from your apes. <laughs> no, <laughs> Oof, that's good. Yeah, um, yeah, crazy. Yeah, you could just you could you could go to Manchester, pop in a Selfridges, might see Joe later. Oh, might, might I see Matt Smith? You think? Uh, poss- uh, possibly. Yeah. Um, side 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 note about Selfridges in Manchester. Cool. My friend uh, Sophie uh, once uh, pooped herself in Selfridges. That is. 
Astonishing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In like one of uh, the swankiest places in all of Manchester. Poop to Pritches, please, RT. So, from Suicide Squad to, uh, well, an Italian sharecropper? I think it's sharecropper. I think it's called sharecropper, which is like a like a commune where people work and they 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 they're basically used as slaves by a landowner. Right. Uh, it's a tobacco farm. So the movie's called Happy as Lazaro. Lazaro is a young sort of peasant boy who works on this this tobacco plantation and becomes involved in a plot sort of stage a fake kidnapping with um, a, a, a boy of a similar age who he befriends, mm. who uh, he sort of. Ident- it becomes comes to connect with on sort of a level, sort of like a brother. So he, they think of themselves as brothers. So through this bonding, they stage his kidnapping, and the Baroness, who is sort of the corrupt overseer of the uh, commune, is uh, well, she's 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 forced to make some ransoms. But there's there's slightly more to it. I can't go uh, I can't go too far into this one because there's a, there's some twisting and turning. Okay, and you don't want to spoil it again. A little bit surreal with the concepts. <laughs> little bit Rugratsy at times. A little bit Rugratsy. Little bit. <laughs> Idiocracy, even at times. So this is known by its original title, which I absolutely love, by the way, as Lazaro Felice. Ah, uh, I like that. Uh, Do you like that? Yeah, I, like I like that. that. So Lazaro's played by. Hang on, it's played by Adriano Adriano Tardiolo, who, for all intents and purposes, looks like the love child of Kyle Golner and a young Robin Williams. <laughs> and has basically got all the presence to match. That's great. He's got that madcap energy of uh, Robin Williams bottled up in that stonerish Kyle Golner way. The film is at, what, at certain times just bonkers and at other times really sweet and touching mm. and sort of uh, very nuanced. But it jumps. It jumps so randomly, but it does jump with complete confidence. So there's that going for it, you know? It's, yeah. It is an odd one, but it's a pretty likeable and good one. So it's, hmm. uh, so, so it's directed by uh, Alice Rohrwacher. Written and directed by, sorry, by Alice Rohrwacher. And I'm trying to remember what she had done before. There was a film. Yeah, I don't, I don't recognise that name. The Wonders in 2014, if you remember that. But uh, I this... remember Wonder, and I remember Wonder Wheel. And Wonder Woman. And now we've got The Wonders. With this and box set wonders. building itself. There yeah. is a box set. There is a box set. Yeah. Yeah, there totally is. <laughs> Come on, Matalan. You know you want to do <laughs> this. Add this to the collection. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, a pretty, you know, it, it's just unabashedly confident. It is just impressively, mm. impressively steadfast in, in the tone that it, it, it leaps from and to. It works more than it doesn't. And when it does work, it's really damn charming. <laughs> So, yay, I guess. Yeah. I mean, so, so yeah, it's, it's called Happy as okay. Lazaro. It's out Friday. Uh, I think it's worth checking out, but the, even I'll admit, by my wacky sensibilities, it is a little bit wacky. <laughs> With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the Movie Marker radio show and podcast. And we're back for one last ride, Mr. Allen. So, uh, before we get to uh, the, uh, you know, Tom Hanks big does superheroes, uh, should we do a, a bit of film news to tide us over? What we got? Yeah, well, actually, this is about Tom Hanks. Oh, is it? Weirdly, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, brilliant. What's so Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks is in talks to be in an Elvis Presley biopic oh, from Baz Luhrmann. Now, not as Elvis. He's not going to be Elvis. Obviously. He's going to be the Colonel, isn't he? He's going to be Colonel Tom Parker. 
Great. Do you know what? I never remember the Colonel Tom Parker. I only remember him as the Colonel. The Colonel. Yeah. Is it because of the Simpsons? I think because of the Simpsons. Colonel yeah. Homer. Yeah. yeah. Sweat actually cleans this, <laughs> this suit. <laughs> <laughs> so Baz Luhrmann, as far as I know as well, Baz Luhrmann wants an unknown to be Elvis. Yeah, which is, I think, the best way of doing it. That's... Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I don't want to have to like, sit through like Miles Teller as Elvis. You know? <laughs> Just... I reckon Miles Teller would be an half-decent Elvis, actually. Yeah, but he'd play he'd play Elvis as an arsehole, and no one wants that. Anyway, <laughs> at times Elvis was a bit of an arsehole. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. That's like yeah, some, but... someone doing like a John Lennon biopic, and John Lennon being nice. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, that, that ain't gonna that, happen. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so yeah, this is the thing. I didn't know. Come at me, Yoko. <laughs> I didn't know Baz Luhrmann was doing this. I, I mean, I'm yeah. here for it. Like I have all the time in the world for a Baz Luhrmann Elvis movie. Well, he's he's not had a film out since uh, Gatsby. That's he like did five years Gatsby. Something. I think so. If, 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 not, if not six. 2014. I thought it was 2013. 2013? Yeah. It was around Valentine's Day kind of time, wasn't it? I believe so, yeah. Mm. I think it was 2013. Mm. Um, yeah, so six years ago, about, about crackers. <laughs> and the last big thing you did was uh, the Get Down. Oh, yeah. yeah the Get Down, which they then put down. Which they then put down, yeah. Despite having Jimmy Smith's in it. Yeah, that's a shame. Yeah, Jimmy Smith's always needs work. He's great. Yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of the Smiths. Yeah, but uh, I, I I'm, am I'm here for that. I think that'll be good. With oh, the Smiths. With the Smiths. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so yeah. Me, I'm, I'm, all, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big uh, fan toes of <laughs> Matt, Matt Santos. <laughs> fan toes of Santos, you know. Yeah. But uh, yes, yeah, so I'm intrigued by that. Do you think it'll be in 3D like the last one? <laughs> Probably, yeah. With well, the last one with its 3D and Jay-Z score. <laughs> Jay Z soundtrack. It'll be in 4D, um, like 4DX, uh, two seventy degree screen. Yeah, that'll totally. Happen. Yeah, there'll be a bit where he joins the military and you have like mud flung in your face, <laughs> and then when he's in Hawaii, you'll get like lays put yeah, on you. Yeah, totally. Yeah, when he, when he goes to fat Elvis, we'll be giving cheeseburgers. The Baz Luhrmann's Elvis experience. Yeah, yeah, that's totally going to happen. Uh, so let's talk about our last film of the week, and this is arguably the biggie. Yeah. So. What's the magic word, Mr. Allen? Captain Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the joke is that that is actually true. <laughs> so, because Shazam began life as Captain Marvel, uh, owned by, I think it was owned by, wasn't owned, was absorbed by DC Comics in the 30s, I believe. Mm. And then the idea is that they had no time for the character, so at one point they just stopped making it. So, like a decade went by, they lost the rights to the name, and by that point, Marvel existed. Yeah. So Marvel decided, you know what? We should probably do something with that title because yeah. we are Captain, we are, Marvel. we are Marvel. Having a Captain Marvel kind of makes sense, so they did. And then when DC decided, hang on a minute, that kind of rules out our character. We should probably bring him back. <laughs> well, they had to do something else, so the court decided they had to call him Shazam. <laughs> Shazam. <laughs> now, what, now, if you're not, there, there, there is a reason for Shazam. Well, that's it, because... Yeah. Oh, 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 this is going to be annoying now. I'm going to have to look it up. Hang on. Because Shazam itself... Shazam the word I think itself... I can, I can remember some of them. <laughs> right. Shazam is an anagram for... Oh, good Lord. Is, is V.S. Samson? It, right, it is the wisdom of Solomon. Oh, no, yeah. The strength of Hercules. Hercules. The stamina of Atlas. The power of Zeus. The courage of Achilles. Oh, Achilles. And the speed <laughs> oh, of Mercury. Right? Right, right so the, the abbreviation of all of which spells Shazam. The magic word that, magic word that turns a sort of 14-year-old boy, Billy Batson, played in, in, into Chuck. Yeah, into, into Chuck Bartowski. Yeah. Or Chuck Bartowski's intersect version of Superman. 
Shazam, yeah. right? So he says Shazam, you know, he literally poofs out in this big sort of electric explosion and becomes this ridiculously exaggeratedly proportioned superhero in a big red suit with a lightning bolt who has bullet immunity, can fly, has super strength and super speed. But of course, you know, he has to keep this a secret because he's an orphan who lives in a foster home with a bunch of other kids, mm. one of whom is his sort of sidekick. He's played by, is it Jack Dylan Glazer or Dylan Jack Glazer? Or... The kid from It. The, the kid from It is going to be Jack Dylan, isn't it? Is it Jack Dylan? I, I think it's Jack Dylan. It is Jack Dylan Glazer from It and Me, Myself and I. Um, and he has to keep this identity secret so he can protect his surrogate family of, of other kids who live in the foster home. Here's a clip of him in Shazam form, before he knows how to get rid of this form, trying to hide from his foster parents in his own, in his own home. Here's a clip. You're so worried about <laughs> I told you this was a bad idea! Freddy? Wait, what happened to the stairs? Cover in her mouth if you're going to kidnap her. It's not going to make her less scared, okay? Darla, it's me. It's Billy. I know I don't look like me. A wizard made me look like Maybe this. don't start with the wizard. It's just going to make her more confused. Some old guy brought me to a temple, and he made me say Shazam. Verbally triggered body manipulation properties. You can switch by saying Shazam. Listen to me, Darla. You cannot tell anybody about this, all right? But it's Billy. He's a hero. Yeah, but if a supervillain finds out that he's a hero, that endangers us, okay? A hero's loved ones are like the perfect bad guy target. So, this ain't your average DC movie, huh? This looks like so much fun. This really is. And, but there's an interesting <laughs> thing I noticed as this, was, as this movie was literally starting, and that is that straight after the Warner Brothers logo mm. comes the New Line logo. And what a difference <laughs> a logo makes. We're in the 90s, people. Well, that's the thing, because this owes a significant debt to certain smaller-scale superhero films of the early to mid-90s, specifically things like The Mask. Mm. You know, you look at things oh, like I The Mask. Where, yeah, and, and, really high concepts. Yeah, and, and big and things like that. It's, um, it's a really fun, whimsical, sort of adventurous romp. It's... There's a moment in it in which Shazam and I'm not I, I won't go into details, but there's a villain. Mark Strong plays a villain, and you know, yeah. and, and Mark Strong plays a villain. Oh, I know. Imagine what? the shock. Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> Call me surprised. So you've got a superpowered uh, Mark Strong at one point fighting, you know, Shazam, and they actually do a thing like a, a back, an almost background shot where they whiz through a building, hitting each other in midair. Yeah, that's in the trailer. Yeah, and you do, but the way it's staged is so much is is so much that it's trying to kind of just offhandedly do okay we can do the man of steel thing but we don't need it to go on for 25 minutes we're literally going to do it in five seconds that's it and you can't say the scale isn't there because look giant skyscraper in the background that's what we're doing it's fine it's done stop talking to us about snapping necks you know that kind of thing it does feel like that this is the movie that feels almost entirely like a rebuttal to man of steel yeah you know almost it's not like po-faced and it's just fun yeah, yeah, there is that stuff. Uh, there's, there's even the, the sort of playing with archetypical moments from Man of Steel. So the whole, you know, child being responsible for, you know, injury of an injury slash death of an adult kind of a thing. You, you get to do things like that, but explore it in a different way that makes more sense mm. within a cinematic landscape. This is not the doom and gloom. Oh, good lord, pass me the uh, pass me the butter knife. I'm going to end it all. Moments that that killed Man of Steel. It's not as ponderous. It's certainly got more energy to it than you know, Man of Steel did. I mean, well, mind you, Man of Steel had energy. It was just really uninteresting energy. Yeah, I think. it was just 
Wow. But whereas this, you actually go along with it. You actually care about this superhero being a superhero. And when he's discovering his powers and that wonderful moment of you've got bullet immunity, you know, mm. in the trailer, when you get all of those, those kind of moments, they do have an effect because for one thing, you give a toss. You actually he and uh, uh, Zach Levi as Shazam, brilliant casting, absolutely brilliant. Jaiman Hunsu as well, by the way, very small role, loved him. Great. Yeah, because yeah. it's a superhero film, so Jaiman Hunsu <laughs> needs to be in it. He, have Hunsu, he is in this. He's in Captain Marvel. He is in he's Guardians. On, he's in Guardians. He's in Aquaman. Oh yeah, he is, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Good lord. But uh, so yeah, I mean, I would argue that uh, Asher Angel is a little bit. You know, underutilized. He's he's kind so of he's, he's the kid that he's the kid who becomes Shazam. Yeah. Well, he can't. I don't think that's his fault. It's just mm. the nature of the film, isn't the, it? The problem is, I don't think they give enough time to Billy Batson as a character to begin mm. with. So, I mean, for instance, what kind of a kid he is seems to fluctuate wildly. So, is he actually maliciously criminal when he wants to be? Does he have a mean streak? The film's kind of murky on, like you see him stealing a police car purely to get information at one point. Yeah. Right? That's, I think that's his opening scene. But it's never implied whether or not there's any weight to his criminality or not, or if that's just something he does because he has to. It never quite comes together on that level, but there is so much in the doing big with a superhero concept that you kind of bypass all that anyway. Mm. And Jack Dylan Glazer does, or Dylan Jack Glazer, I forget which, does all the, It's literally in front of me. It's Jack, Jack Dylan Glazer, okay? <laughs> Jack Dylan Glazer, to be fair, does the heavy lifting on the child side anyway. And he's just got this sort of Fred Savage-like quality to him. So happy you said that, because when they were <laughs> casting Chapter 2 for it, I was like, get Fred Savage... They've not got Fred Savage. They've not. Did they get in the end? I, I forget. I don't think he's that's that, not that big of a name now. Bill Hader is uh, Finn, Finn Wolfhard, Wolfhard. Yeah, um, but the, the guy that's playing him does look like him. But yeah, I just kept thinking about Fred Savage yeah. when I watched the first bit. Uh, I will tell you as well that they have pulled off something actually kind of brilliant in what they've hidden from the marketing with this. Right. Uh, I mean, I, I've, I know I've told you one little thing, obviously, before we we started recording earlier, but uh, not that. I don't mean. I mean, though they have managed to actually hold something from this movie that made me, the comic book fan, sit there and go, Oh my god, really? We're doing this? Yes! Also, Alan Frank's only piece of comic book trivia has actually now made it to a cinema screen. He's never said it to you, I know that okay. much. <laughs> but really, I'm not, I've not been, I didn't go to the actual week of release screening for this, so I've not seen the movie with, with Alan. Him. I will. I, I can only imagine he'd be insufferable coming out of this movie. Absolutely, I want to know what it is. Insufferable. When you see the movie, and you absolutely should, you, you'll probably know because you're like, "Oh my god, that's brilliant! I can't believe they've done that." Because it it's something very goofy 1940s. If I just said, you know, when comic books were really goofy in the golden age, yeah, it's very that. It's that. It's very much of that kind of goofiness that you know, the, the kind of thoughts that give you things like Crypto the Superdog, you know, yeah, <laughs> and the Bat Boat and mm-hmm. the the uh, well, not the Bat Boat. There's, what's the ridiculous Bat Boat? It's got a Batman head on the front. You know, the oh, ridiculous God. stuff like that. Yeah, but it comes from that kind of a place, which for the DCEU is astonishing. Mm. So yes, it's the most fun I've ever had in a DCEU movie. Uh, yes, I think it is the best, academically the best, DCEU movie. It's certainly the most fun, it's the most colourful, the most engaging, just the most interesting one of these. I mean, it absolutely washed away the bad taste of Aquaman for me. 
because I now genuinely can't say that all the DC movies suck, which is something that not only would I say regularly prior to. But seeing you wouldn't this, say that Wonder Woman sucked. I would say the last third sucked. Well, you, oh, there's always a caveat. There's always a caveat. You know, two thirds of a good movie ain't a good movie. All right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Look, if you asked me to go and buy you a pint, yeah. and I gave you two thirds of a pint, you'd be annoyed. Well, I would never say that because I don't drink pints. And if I was to drink beer, I'd drink it in half pints. Because <laughs> that's the kind of person I am. <laughs> right. Okay. If you asked me to go and buy you a Cosmopolitan, I'd buy you two thirds of a Cosmopolitan. <laughs> You'd be annoyed. You'd be like, bitch, no, like I would say I am not. I am not so Jessica Parker. It's <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with a Cosmo, man. Anyway, so, uh, Shazam. Absolutely see it. It is just a lot of fun. It's, it's so worth it. So worth the time. It's, I mean, that's the thing. It's actually not that long either. I mean, I mean, it is long in terms of it's two hours, 12 minutes. It's, it's basically yeah. superhero movie length. But it feels like a 90-minute because it has that, that new line energy to it, that, mm. that zeal, that mid-90s thing going for it. And it does feel paced kind of similar to The Mask. So, you know, that, in the same way that The Mask actually was about 90 minutes, this feels about 90, 90 minutes. minutes. And yet it's nearly two and a quarter. So, yeah. Sounds fun. Just great fun. And also, I'm, I'm never going to get the image of Zach Levi standing before that counter saying, I would like to buy some of your finest beer, please, <laughs> out of my head, because he's just so goofy and fun in this. Uh, really big fan of Zach Levi. Isn't it? Film of the week? Film of the week, absolutely. I'm a huge, huge Shazam fan. It genuinely is the magic word. So, go and see it this weekend. Uh, I would definitely take this over Pet Cemetery, Like, every time. I, for me, this works just a lot better than Pet Cemetery did. But, uh, yeah, so next week, wow. some interesting stuff. What have we got? <laughs> oh, what have we got, sir? We've got a movie with John Oliver in it next week. Did you know this? Uh, yeah, is this uh, Wonder Park? Wonder Park next week, yo. Uh, we've got Jonah Hill's directorial debut, mid-90s oh, next week. Yeah. Cool. Uh, we've got Steel Country, which I admit I don't know an awful lot about. Uh, we've got Wild Rose. That is... Jesse Buckley? Jesse Buckley, yeah. Jesse Buckley. Who's she in that with now? I forget offhand. So do I, yeah. I, I know it's it. about a Scottish folk singer or country singer, maybe. So it's Mark Kermode's film of the week. Yeah, probably. Okay, just, just so we're checking. Just so we know in advance, that is Mark Kermode's film of the week. I will put money on it. Here and now with you, that turns out to be Mark's film of the week next week. But uh, we've got Wheelie next week, which kind of looks like a cheap knockoff of Cars. Right. Yeah, really? Yeah. Oh, it's just like really? a yellow car. You're like, so it's called Wheelie, and he's a talking... Okay, never mind. And last but certainly by no means least, the movie that already looks like its own Netflix series spin-off, Hellboy, is next week. Which is just... What is with that trailer? Which one? First one or the second one? I think it's the second one, actually. Second one. But it just looks far too silly for its own good. But yeah. I don't know. I'm going to give it a chance. I'm a Hellboy fan, but yeah. Yeah, I think we'll all give it the benefit of the doubt. See what it is like. Machine, yeah, yeah casting's great for it. Yeah, we'll see. Anyway, so we got all those to come and more next week off screen. In the meanwhile, this has been a candy store version of a movie marker. I've been Van Connor, and I've been Case Allen, and we shall return. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Offscreen. For more movie news, reviews, and more, visit moviemarker.co.uk. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. Podcast extras, Mr. Allen. So, uh, some film news then. Take us to the bridge. Should we uh, cycle through the things that we have failed to observe so far? Yeah, because there's loads. Um, I mean, I, I heard the other day yeah. that this, this Bond movie that's being filmed, mm. like this is going to be the first one. James be- Bond. 
James Bond. James yeah, Bond. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. J- James Bond, not not uh, not Brooke Bond. No. Brooke um, so uh, it's going to be the first one filmed partly in IMAX, I believe. That's mad, but it's taken this long. Well, wow. they've been in IMAX though, haven't they? Yeah. So they've been post converted every time. Every time. Okay, fair wow. enough. Yeah, but now we're going full Chris Nolan without just getting Chris Nolan <laughs> to do it because we've got to wait to reboot the whole thing. So that's when we're going. Of course, course of right? course, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, did we talk about um, the Eternals last week? I can't remember. I can't remember if we did, but let's let's revisit it quickly anyway. I don't know if we did, yeah, I don't think we did. Was this casting? Was this was casting? This is the first bit of casting for Eternals. Okay. Um, so Eternals is a cosmic film that's going to be part of the MCU for Phase Four. I, I did hear that. Because I, I feel like Phase 3 is never going to end. <laughs> I can't believe we're actually getting to the end of it. Um, so it's, like, it's like a month now, man. It's less than a month. I know. Um, that's about crazy. Oh, I know. Mad. Uh, and Eternals is um, yeah coming. And Angelina Jolie is going to be in it, apparently. <laughs> She's I, going to be one of the Eternals, which is big, godlike character. Yeah, I and mean, this is this is apparently taking place thousands of years before the events of Guardians of the Galaxy as well. Apparently so, yeah. I think one of Thanos' ancestors is a character in it. Yes. Like um, one rumour I did hear is that the main character will be the Marvel character of Hercules, and he will be the first gay Marvel hero. So it's Hercules that's going to be the gay character? This is one I've heard, but that's not been confirmed. So okay. I take it with a pinch of salt. I personally, I wouldn't be surprised if they did it with, with Sentry. Because the Sentry character hasn't really appeared in the MCU yet, and we never hear about that either. So who who is Sentry? Sentry's like an alien watcher of Earth or something, sort of a, a, a superman. He actually has like a a, a Sentry's watchtower <clears throat> thing, which right. which resides above uh, Avengers Tower right. in in the comics. And he is sort of an overseer. He's one of the uh, you know, the next level powerful characters, like Captain Marvel, yeah. powerful character. So I wouldn't be surprised if he does get mentioned sooner or later. But I would Possibly. have thought they'd, yeah. they'd retcon him in. Yeah, you know, because they don't follow the exact continuity in these movies. They they, they adapt it to they adapt suit it, yeah to suit yeah. them, yeah. yeah, which is what we need to do. As long as they use the character and they hit the broad strokes, who cares, kind of thing. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think that is that's big casting, and I'd be, I'd be happy with. It. I think that's pretty yeah, cool. why yeah. not? So. Um, Space Jam. We've got to talk about Space Jam. We've got to talk about Space Jam. We've got to talk about Space Jam. So Space Jam 2. Isn't, isn't it being produced by like Jordan Peele or something? Oh, it's Ryan Coogler, Ryan isn't Coogler. it? Ryan Coogler. I knew it was someone who had an amazing uh, black positivity movie in 2017. Yeah. Why. <laughs> <laughs> of which there were only two. But Because uh, I'm not saying uh, anything positive about A Wrinkle in Time. So, um, yeah. So Sonequa Martin-Green. That's, that's, that's it, isn't it? Sneakle Martin Green? From yeah. Star Trek Discovery, Michael Burnham. She has joined yeah. Space Jam 2 as LeBron's wife. Well. Amazing. See, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan didn't have a wife in the first one, did he? Yeah, had a whole family. Did he? Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen he Space had, Jam in a long, long time. He had a mum. He had kids. Um was a really, like, dated, quasi racist bit where he comes home <laughs> and, and he's like what are you guys making it smells good and the mum's like chicken oh and, yeah so it's like green le- green book level of subtlety yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, film I didn't didn't know much about uh, Sam Mendes is 1917 it's got a cast it has mm. quite a decent cast too really good cast who is amongst this cast Mr. Allen that you know offhand Mark Strong 
I mean, of course he is, because it's, it's, it's a British war movie. <laughs> yeah. <You know>. um, <laughs> Who else do you get for a British war movie, Mr. Allen? Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> Who else do you get for a British war movie, Mr. Allen? <laughs> Colin Firth? <laughs> oh, pushing a boat out there. <laughs> and I don't know who else. <laughs> Richard Madden also joined. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. you need a young hunk. You need a young like, hunk. You know, yeah. Benedict's starting to appeal to the mums now. So, yeah. you know, we need to, we need to get the old daughters. Paul Dark's busy. Yeah. yeah. Paul Dark's off, you know, waxing his chest, whatever it is he does. And uh, we need someone to appeal to the slightly younger women. So let's, the slightly younger daughters. So let's go with... Let's, the, let's get bodyguard. Yeah. Let's get the bodyguard in. Yeah. yeah. Because he also appeals to the mums. So, well, my mum was a huge fan of Bodyguard, but my but my mum's a pervert. So, have, have you watched Bodyguard? Uh, I have not watched the last episode because I know everyone oh. complains about it. But uh, yeah, so Sam Mendes's War uh, War Movie 1917. Um, weirdest. This isn't this isn't even a, a a bit of film news. It's TV news. But they are making a sequel series to Sex and the City. But they made a prequel series, didn't they? Well, they made a prequel. They're series. making a sequel series. A sequel series, which is about life after fifty. I don't know if it follows the same characters, but I I don't know if it will because half of those people won't talk to each other. But yeah, and also I don't think any of them will admit they are over fifty. But yeah, uh, one of yeah. them's a politician now. <laughs> yeah, there is that. Uh, the other one is is just adorable. Um, are we on about I, Charlotte? I'm just going to call her Charlotte. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. hot one. The hot, the hot one. Thank you. Yeah. She is the one. Oh, hot she one. was absolutely the hot one in Sex and City, yeah. and everybody knew Definitely. it. Definitely. Like, don't get me wrong. Kim Cattrall was the fun one, but you know, yeah, but Charlotte, Charlotte was the is, is was the, the hot one. one. Yeah. That's, that's how this works. <laughs> so, this is one thing I love. I love a good Lifetime movie. We're getting a Salt and Pepper one. Yes. Oh. Have they made a TLC one? I feel like that needs to happen. Oh, that that absolutely does. But TLC you know, and a liar. Sorry, it's uh, right. It's a miniseries. Have a guess who's producing it. This, this is. I just think this is hilarious. Um, Queen Latifah. That makes sense. That is brilliant. Yeah. I think that's great. So yeah, Queen Latifah is gonna yeah, shoot. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, Taika Waititi and Ryan Reynolds, who starred together in uh, Green, Lantern. Uh, Green Lantern, they're gonna reunite for Free Guy, which, as you sent to uh, pitched it to me, is about a bank teller who discovers he's actually a character in a video game. Yes. And it's being directed by Sean Levy, who brought us Night at the Museum, I believe. Yeah. So I think that'll be quite fun. Yeah. He's good at doing those like high concept family comedy sort yeah. of things. And Taiko Titi in like a big acting role is great. That's and I, I think mm. that's overdue now, because after Thor Ragnarok, that's the th- I want that now. I mean I've not yeah. watched the uh, Is he in the What We Do in the Shadows TV series? Because I've not he, seen he it. might appear as a cameo, but I don't like his his character and Jermaine Clement's character are not they're, they're not the main vampires. It's about another sect. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realise. But oh, but okay. it, but it's great people. Um, yeah. uh, Kyvan Novak is like oh, the lead of course. vampire, and Matt Berry is the lead <laughs> vampire. Okay, so okay. it's like it's people that we love. I'm sold. Yeah, yeah. I'm sold. Chris Morris turns up cameos any day now. You I love that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so free guy. I'm looking forward to that. That sounds interesting. That's about nice. sounds about as interesting as that uh, Jason Bateman directed one where the uh, the movie theme park comes to life. Like is that one with John Cena? John Cena. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Uh, it's just a lot of. Yeah, very good, high-concept films. That one's for Netflix, though, the Jason Bateman one. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm hoping it's good. I'm hoping it's not another Game Over Man. I, I didn't watch that because I was going through my Why is Adam Divine and everything? Phase. <laughs> He's still in everything. Yeah. I, actually, I liked him in that rom-com that Robin, Robert Wilson put out a couple of weeks ago. Oh, is that isn't it romantic? Yeah, I yeah. thought that was really fun. I've not seen that one yet. I should. I will watch it though. Uh, Liam Hemsworth is amazing. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, they were He's marketing crazy. the hell out of it yeah. in New York. Isn't it romantic? Because it, it was getting like a actual 
wide theatrical. Yeah, they they actually put it in theaters, and I literally by the time I had flown back here, it was on Netflix. I didn't realize we were getting on. Yeah, it just just it turned just appeared, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. But uh, what was the one they surprise dropped a movie last night? That was it. Netflix surprise dropped a horror movie last night called Mercy Black, right? Which is a Blumhouse it. movie. <gasps> yeah. Wow. So so it'd be like when we put Cam on there. Maybe. Yeah, basically. But uh, it, this is a basically it's a reference to the whole thing is kind of a loose adaptation of the sort of the Slenderman myth. All right. Uh, I think it's meant to be Slenderman and the Mary Bell child killer case. And it's a Blumhouse movie. It's called Mercy Black, and it's, it's on Netflix now, apparently. I will watch that. I mean, I'm going to watch Cellular tonight. Oh, um, Cellular. Yeah. Oh, what, look out for uh, a certain Suits, uh, member of the Suits cast in that. Not Meghan no, Markle. No, I was going to say. It's not Meghan Markle. <laughs> Catherine Heigl? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not Catherine Heigl. She is terrible in Suits. She is so bad in Suits. Apparently she, she asked to replace Meghan Markle. Like, she sought that out. Yeah, because I can absolutely believe that Catherine Heigl picked up a newspaper one morning, saw Meghan Markle engaged, will leave suits and leave co-star in the lurch, yeah. uh, will cost co-star his job, and thought to herself, ha, I'm as good as a, I'm as good as a princess, I shall take this role. I can absolutely believe Catherine Heigl did that. Also, yeah. Also, fuck Judd Apatow. That, you know, <laughs> yeah. but I can believe that was Catherine Heigl over breakfast. I love how, def- like, how... Like diplomatic, they always are about talking about Captain Hyde. <laughs> <laughs> like, whenever someone asks Jeff or certain comedy directors seem to have that. Every mm. comedy director seems to have one one actress who they didn't click with, who didn't get the tone. Like Judd Apatow has Catherine Heigl. Kevin Smith has Linda Fiorentino. Right, because yeah. he famously, he's, he's rather famously said on several occasions he wished they'd just let Julian Garofalo have that role. Mm. And there is... She didn't really do much after that as well, did she? She didn't, no. Yeah, it's very strange. She, to be fair, there was a whole thing around Linda Fiorentino that she was difficult to work with, so she sort of got phased out a lot, because she was yeah. in a lot of high-profile things for about two years. Like, Men in, in Black. In, in, like, the late 90s. Vast, you, yeah, you often forget she's Yeah, there. like, she's the female lead in Men in Black. Yeah. You know, a role that now goes to Tessa Thompson, if you want to put it in context, but... Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember there was another one like that. Well, also, Tess Thompson now, she's not just, like, the lead female. She is the lead. I think. Yeah. I'm not sure. Seth MacFarlane had one that he just couldn't click with. Oh. It's not... Is it Lacey Chabert? I think it might be Lacey Chabert. Seth MacFarlane has one as well as an actress that he just... What, in, in, in what? what was it, his whole collective universe. Lacey Chabert started out as Meg... As Meg oh, of course, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. And then Mila Kunis and then comes in. got replaced by Mila Kunis yeah. because he goes through phases where he has favourite actresses of the moment, then, like Mila Kunis. Well, Mila Kunis was in Ted 1 then, wasn't it? In Ted 2. And by which point he had his new fa- favourite, who was uh, Amanda Seyfried. Amanda Seyfried, yeah. And now his current favourite is Jessica Soka. So, who's Jamie Foxx's girlfriend? She's the uh, security is she chief in, in the Orville. Oh, oh, right, that makes sense, because mm. what's, what's the actress who left? Uh, Holston, Holston Sage. Sage. yeah. I really liked her, and then, yeah, she gets replaced. She's joined something interesting recently, I forget what. Um, but Jessica Soka is in Ted 2 as well. Who does She's she go out the with? bartender who tries to pull uh, Mark Wahlberg early on. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but she's been in other things as well. But I don't recognise her about 11 years. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, without, yeah. without the, uh, yeah. Anyway, so that's that's me out of news for the week. I think that's me as well. Oh, in which case, here it is. Your moment of cage. Okay, we can't stream anything, but I brought my DVD collection. Do you like Nick Cage movies? I don't know who that is. Only the greatest and most compelling actor of all time. What are his movies like? Describe them. Okay, well, one of them is the FBI has developed 
They swapping technology. Not interested. There's a whole plane full of convicts. Nope. On the back of the original Declaration of Independence, there's a hidden treasure map. Stop. But that's the smartest one!